As we said already, my name is Patrick Stitt, and uh, yeah, we're missionaries to Japan, as you can tell from my accent. Um, I'm from East Tennessee. Um, not really. Uh, I'm actually from Ireland originally, and I've been in Minnesota a long, long time now. I've pastored a church for many years here in Minnesota, and it's, it's so good. Thank you so much for having us today. We really, really appreciate this opportunity to share with you. It, it really means a lot, and uh, you guys are a great church. You can really tell lots, and I... I I love going to church. I really, really do. You know, I just love it. Isn't it great to be with God's people? It is so good. It is so good to be together. It is so good just to, to get into God's word together, to worship together, to just pray for one. And it, man, sure, what a gift God gave us from going to church. It is wonderful. Um, I tell you, I, there was a time I didn't know Jesus. It sucked. I would never do that again. That was the worst. Oh, my goodness. I'm never going back. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Oh, I think you're clicking me because I did something wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. And I just love, I love, being, love being a Christian. I love just, just knowing his love, knowing his salvation, knowing his goodness. It's, it's just wonderful. Oh, just, just to be in the presence of the Lord. It, it is so precious. And I just, that is just kind of what we're all about. It's just people knowing you're precious to our God. I remember first when I was a young kid walking into a cafe in the west coast of Ireland that was ran by a, a former stockbroker from Kentucky turned missionary. And I walked in that cafe and he just said, you're precious to our God. Changed my whole life. It just is everything switched from that moment. And, and that's what we are as a church. You know, we're a church that wants, the, that wants this community to know you're precious to our God. Do you know we've got about 3 million Assembly of God adherents in the United States. We have 70 million in the nations. Because we wanted everyone in the entire world to know you are precious to our God. I love walking into your church and seeing your big old missions area because you're a church that wants every single person, every corner of the world to know you are precious to our God. What a great message we've got in Jesus. What an honor it is we get to pour out this precious message to those who are perishing in this world today. It's so good. You know, I've... Oh, it's so good to know Jesus. I, I wish I could hang out with Jesus. Okay, have anyone ever had like time traveling fantasy want to hang out with Jesus, right? Jump in the TARDIS 2,000 years ago, Israel, let's go hang out with Jesus. We've been there. That, how cool would that be? I, I would so love that. And I've like, I've like thought about this when time traveling technology shows up. I want to go back in time. And I would love to like ask Jesus some questions. You know, we're like, okay, Jesus, can you tell me What's the father like? Can you tell me um, like what heaven is like? Can you tell me absolutely everything I'm supposed to do with my life? A couple of lottery numbers would be great. Promise I'm going to tithe. Um, but just, just fill me in, Jesus. This will be so good. And wouldn't that be so amazing just to spend some time in his precious life-giving word? But what, what blows me away as I process this is um, like those people who hung out with Jesus didn't really get how precious it was. You know, you'd like, um, Jesus, Jesus, um, that guy didn't wash his hands. Do you want me to go smite him? You know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, you healed that guy on the wrong day. You need to go make him sick again. We'll come back tomorrow. It, really, really, this is what you come up with. You're like in the presence of the Holy One of Israel, the source of all divine knowledge, and you want to have a whinge about hand washing. Really, really. And it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit that even those in the presence of Jesus didn't get how precious it was. So Jesus did something 
in the midst that a lot of pastors have done throughout history. He planned a mission trip. So for those of you who've had the blessing of going on a mission trip, one of the first things you learn is people in other nations are so blessed by the things we take for granted. And that changes you. You, they, They are so grateful for these wonderful, precious things. So Jesus does this. Got your Bibles this morning. Open them up to Matthew 15. We're going to start in verse 21. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. And we're going to read about the mission trip of Jesus and the disciples. And it's so amazing. So Jesus gets his guys together. And, you know, he said, okay, we're going on a mission trip. So he packs some, you know, VBS equipment, some anti-diarrhea medicine, some matching t-shirts and said, all right, guys, let's go on a mission trip. So let's read it together. We've got, um, yeah. Okay. Starting in verse 21. It says, leaving that place, leaving that place. Now, I love this phrase, leaving that place, because Jesus steps out of Israel. He leaves like, and he's the Jewish Messiah, you know, he's like Old Testament prophetic, you know, people kind of obey the law. This would be comfort zone for good Jewish boys living in Israel, living where, you know, everything is going your way, but he has to leave that place. He has to go into pagan central. He has to go into a place where they're idol worshiping and enslaving people and sacrificing babies. Because how many know this? God's mission for your life is generally outside your comfort zone. It's going to require you stepping out of where you are comfortable and into a place where you are needed. So first, right away, Jesus has to leave that place and get out of his comfort zone. And what happens right away, very next verse, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity comes running out to him, crying, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and she is suffering terribly. Help me, Jesus. Help me. I need you. I need you. The devil is destroying my life. He's destroying my family. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Now, what happens here? Right away, as soon as Jesus crosses the border, he is hit with spiritual starvation. This woman is desperate for the goodness and the power of Jesus. She is desperate for Jesus to be in her life, to be in her family's life. She needs a miracle. She needs God to do something. She is spiritually starving. Now, Starvation is overwhelming. And it's overwhelming how many people in the nations need Jesus. My father-in-law, who was in the military for many years, said the most dangerous mission you can often go on is to bring resources to a starving area because people are so crazed with their starvation. They'll, They'll tear your trucks and your tanks apart just to get at the things that you have. This woman is starving. But there's two groups here. How many know Jesus is often working on several different levels? Okay, so the next group he has is the 12 apostles. They have spiritual abundance. They've got good old churches and temples and synagogues and rabbis and mama teaches you the Old Testament and daddy teaches you Old Testament and they good kids churches and they have the temple and they have tradition and they're in the presence of Jesus himself. They have spiritual abundance. Now, abundance is good. Abundance is a blessing. We're promised an abundant life. But if you have abundance, it's so that you can go out and transform the world. If you have abundance, it's so you can pour it out because it's precious to those who are perishing. That's why we're abundantly blessed. But if you read the New Testament, you often find that these guys do a lot more complaining than transforming. 
You know, Jesus, you know, can you believe the state of the world today? Jesus, those guys are so bad. Would you like me to call down, you know, fire on Sodom and Gomorrah? I would be honored to do that for you, Jesus, because there are such sinners over there. Well, the uncircumcised are over there. Well, their lives are a mess. That's what happens when you don't follow the Lord. And they like to complain. You know, they like to have a good old moan. I'm not going to get too heavy on them because I'm going to be honest. I like a good complain myself. Look, I'm Irish, so we love complainers. <laughs> and I, I, I'll tell you, as, as a preacher, there's nothing like a good old complainy sermon. You really get into it. Oh, the state of the world today. Can you believe what's happening, brother? Oh, look at kids these days. They're a wreck. Oh, can you believe what's happening in Washington? Oh, the world's a wreck. Come, Lord Jesus, soon and save us from this horrible world. Whew. Feel all holy after that. Oh, isn't God lucky to have me to point out all the sin in the world? I don't know where he'd be without me. But you see, these guys didn't get the blessing of their abundance. They just wanted to complain about the world. And they wanted, Jesus wants to put this in perspective. So parents, have you ever had the Africa fantasy? Okay, let me break that down a little bit. Have you ever been dealing with one of your own darling little children? And they're going a little bit, complaining about everything. And you, you were like, oh, I want to ship you to a little village in Botswana. Oh, oh, you don't like my food? Go tell little Botswana boy who doesn't have any food. Oh, oh, you, you, you want to clean your room? Go tell little Botswana boy who lives in a, a, a hut of mud and dung. Oh, oh you want to only get an hour of video games? Go tell little Botswana boy who's never seen a light bulb. Parents, we had the Botswana fantasy. Yep, yep, we've been there. We've been there. All right. And what are we saying in that? What we're saying is, you're blessed. So much has been poured into you. You have abundance. You have so much in a world that is starving. And I want you to get the level of your blessing. So you're not a complainer. You're a transformer. We want them to understand the blessing of this. So this is kind of what Jesus is doing now. He's taking his apostles who have abundance to a place of spiritual starvation. So they get how precious it is to have Jesus. So what happens next? Jesus is kind of showing them how they're behaving. So this woman is screaming out, you know, oh, Jesus, help, help me, help me, help me. But Jesus, in verse 23, does not answer a word. Jesus is silent. And it gets so awkward that even the, the apostles at this point are like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, send her away, send her away. She keeps crying after us. She wants us. And you're like, oh, okay, she is asking for Jesus. She doesn't want some second-rate apostle. Okay, shut up, Peter. You know who it is. Um, but why is Jesus silent? I think it's because sometimes a church is silent. I think it's because sometimes in this world that is crying out for a manifestation of our Christian witness, all they hear is silence. You know, we do that. There's times in my life I've forgotten how precious the gospel was. There was one time I was a teacher in an inner city school. I met this one kid in our class, and he was a nice kid, Darnell, and he was a hard worker. He was very smart, um, but his family was about to get evicted. So a bunch of teachers and a bunch of social workers all got together, and they were trying to get some money, and they were doing some applications and working out some loan stuff, and they were all working really hard to get this kid some money so they could keep their house. And the next Monday morning, Darnell walked into my classroom with the biggest, ugliest tattoo all up in his forearm. 
Oh, brothers and sisters, no, I'm not against tattoos. But I'm really against ugly tattoos when your family's about to get evicted. I went Old Testament judgment on that kid. What is wrong with you? You are so stupid. I'm wasting a lot of money. I'm so angry. I'm spitting nails. I'm getting red in the face. I'm spitting nails. I'm so stupid angry at this stupid kid for a stupid behavior. What is wrong with you? And while I'm yelling at him, I say, and who never taught you how to budget? And the Holy Spirit, in a quiet, gentle voice, said, You didn't, Patrick. You didn't. Oh, I went real New Testament mercy very quick. (laughs) Here I was judging a kid for not having knowledge I was called to give him. See, that's what we do when we're complaining Christians and not transforming Christians. We are just judging the world for not having what we were called to give them. We do this because we forget how precious the gospel is. And it was so crazy then. So I went quiet and I went, hey, Darnock, can I show you how to budget? Because you need to have more money coming in than you have going out. And he went, really? Yeah. <laughs> we sat out with a little piece of paper and budgeted out his, his whole income. And his, he went, this is good. Look, I've got more coming in. I can, we can pay off our debts. Everything can be okay. I'm going to go home. I'm going to show my mom. And I'm going to go to show my uncle. And I want to share this whole good news with my whole family. And his whole family was changed because he just needed that little bit of good news. It was so precious to him. All I had to do was pour out that which I had in abundance, this good, wonderful knowledge. And we live in a world that is crying out for the good news of Jesus Christ to get his blessing, get his goodness. And sometimes we forget how precious it is to those who are perishing. Next verse. This woman's crying out still, but Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But I love what happens next. The woman comes and she kneels before him. Why is she kneeling? You know, if you're standing, you can be pushed out the way, but you're kneeling. No, I'm not going to be moved. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I will not be moved because I'm starving, Jesus. But he replies in verse 26, he replies, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Oh, really? So I'm a dog now. We're going to go personal. We're getting nasty. I don't know about you. I would be offended. Preacher ever spoke to me like that? Oh, well, I'm done with you. Screw you. Screw your religion. I'm out of here. I don't need this. I would be so offended, right? How dare you talk to me like that? But can I tell you something I've learned about offense? You can only be offended when you have abundance. Let me break that down a little bit for you. Have you ever worked for a jerk? Don't amen that. But... I remember one time I was working in a factory and I I was stacking boxes and I I was doing a beautiful job. They were flush. They were symmetrical. It was was like the pyramids. They were so good. And and the barcodes were just in the right place. You could beep them easy. And I was doing a really nice job. And my boss comes out. What are you doing about that? I don't want to do it the other way. Well, if I do them the other way, you can't access the barcodes. Well, you're here to do what I say. Now give me your opinion. Do them the way I said. Fine. I'll do them the other way. And I start to move those boxes the wrong way. And, And as I'm doing it, I start to have the quitting fantasy. Yeah, y'all know the quitting. One day, I'm going to tell you what I think, your stupid factory and your stupid boxes and your stupid face. I'm going to have another job and make more money and you can shut up. But I don't quit my job because I don't have another job lined up and there weren't any available. I shut my mouth. I couldn't afford to be offended. I didn't have the abundance necessary to take on offense. You see, you can only have offended, be offended when you have abundance. 
I think that's why in America, we've become a very offended people because we've got a whole lot of stuff. I'm boycotting this kind of beans because there's 17 other kinds of beans you can go for. Wow. I want these pair of shoes, 15 other ones. And we become, can I get a little more real? Christians are kind of the worst at being offended, right? We get offended all the time over really dumb stuff. And part of that is, I'm going to get a little tough here. It's because there's a whole lot of churches. So we can afford to be, can you believe the pastor's making me wear a mask? Can you believe he's not making me wear a mask? Can you believe he doesn't talk about how great my Republican is? Can you believe he doesn't worship the Democrats? Can you believe he preached this sermon? Can you believe he doesn't preach from this Bible translation? And we're bouncing around. And you can do that because you can go to one church one week and get offended there after a little bit and go offended at the next one until you just go all over the place like a pinball until finally you just settle down your couch occasionally stick on Joel Osteen on TV. I'm not picking on Joel. I like Joel. But what I'm saying is, Because of our abundance, we can get so offended. And here's the thing. When you get into the mentality of offended, you have a broken abundance mentality. We sometimes think that if something is rare, it must be precious. And if it is of abundance, it must be of no value. And we get this mistake with the church sometimes. It might happen to you. Have you ever gone out with dinner to, to dinner with somebody and they order a big old plate of oysters? big $100 thing of oysters, and they come on ice. And oysters must taste delicious because you have to soak them in salt and hot sauce and lemon juice before you touch them. And people will pick up their $15 oyster. You have to hold it like this because it's $15. And they go, oh, that was so delicious. That was well worth $15. And they seem to have forgotten. They're sucking cold, salty snot out of a dirty rock and paying $15 for the privilege. I'll have some chicken and mashed potatoes, please, for five bucks. Yeah, it might be abundant, but it's good. Here's what I want to break down for you, brothers and sisters. Don't confuse the abundance of churches for um, the preciousness of this gospel. Here's what I want to say, and I want you to take this more than anything else I say today. Every single empty church, empty seat in this church represents someone in our lives who is desperate for this good news who is broken in their spirit, in their heart, in their body, and they're waiting for someone to come and tell them, you're precious to our God. Right now. Right now. And we often think of why we can't do it, and, oh, I'm not very good at preaching, don't know a lot of the Bible. You know, the Bible doesn't say we're going to overcome by our Masters of Divinity degree. It doesn't say we're going to overcome because we preach like Billy Graham. It says we're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know what it's gonna, it's gonna, evangelism's gonna look like? I wanna listen to you right now, and I'm gonna hear. And at the end, can I tell you what God has done in my life? That's evangelism. Wow. I'm here to listen. Can I pray for you? That's evangelism. Wow, that's, you should come to our church. Pastor's preaching on this. You're, you're really gonna be blessed by it. That's evangelism. Can I look after your kids for a couple of hours? You get some rest? That's evangelism. That is so precious to those who are perishing when we just start to pour it out. We just start to pour it out. You know, today we, 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 we recognize moms because thank you guys so much for teaching people how precious they are. You know, sometimes as a mom, you, you can feel like, man, the kids don't get how blessed I am. But you know who sometimes gets that? And I'll just throw it out. You don't have to say anything, but I'm, I know some of you guys have been moms to kids that didn't have whose biological moms weren't really there for them. 
And when you do that, you see a whole different blessing because we've invested in people. And when you show them a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of love, a little bit of advice, a little bit of something, they are so blessed. This was so good. Thank you so much. I needed to hear that. Why? Because something that other people look for in abundance, to them, it is precious. It is so blessed. We live in a world that is crying out for a mother's love right now because so many people are without it. And those who are without it get how precious it is. And they're not complaining and giving out. They just wish they had one person in their life to love them just a little bit. You know, this, this Canaanite woman, she could have been so offended. Oh, you're a dog, am I? Well, I'm co- leaving here. I'm never coming back. Screw you guys. I'm going back to paganism. I'm never going to speak to you again. But, but if I leave, where else am I going to go? Because there's only one name under heaven by which men must be saved. And there is only one blood for the remission of sins. And there is only one power that makes the demons quake and shake and fear. And his name is Jesus. And even though it hurts sometimes and I don't understand everything and it's difficult to get through and those guys might be more blessed than me and I might be a pagan. I don't deserve it. But I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm desperate for you. I hunger. I hunger. I hunger. So she responds with this powerful verse. Yes, it is, Lord. Yes, it is. But even the dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Whoa, whoa. What's she saying? She's saying, Jesus, I need you so much. I've tried everything. I've tried worshiping idols. I've tried sacrificing. I've tried being popular. I've tried being rich. I've tried doing everything that the world has told me I'm supposed to do. And I didn't get anything. So Lord God, go ahead and bless all those guys. Give them all the good Bible colleges. Give them all the good preachers. Give them all the Bible. But if I could get a crumb. If I could get one word from you, Jesus, if I could get one bit of your power, if I could get a mustard seed of you, Jesus, I know I get my miracle. I know I get my miracle. I might be a pagan. I might be of no value. You might look down on me and spit on me, but right now I've got a devil to fight. I'd sooner fight that devil like a starving dog than a chubby child. So bless those guys all you want to. Give them everything and abundance, but Lord God, Jesus, just give me a crumb. And Jesus replies, Woman, wow, you get it, you get it, you get what it's like to hunger for me, you get how precious it is for just to have a little bit of Jesus, a little miracle in your life, a little bit of salvation, you know what it's like to hunger desperate, you get what I've been trying to teach these dozen dozy disciples for all these years now, you've got such great faith. You've got a faith that's going to move mountains. You've got a faith that's going to change nations. You are blessed. You're my child. Your request is granted. You you follow me and you love me and you're one of my children. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Because she understood. This word is so precious. We live in a world starving for the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is our blessing, our privilege to pour out that which is precious to those who are perishing. When we get how precious it is, we change the world. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who get the power of a crumb. You're going to see a miracle. I don't know if it's ever happened to you brothers and sisters, but you have made for your family a meal 
It's not just a meal. It's it's a sublime feast. It is visually sumptuous. It is nutritious. It is delicious. You don't want them to eat it. You just want to take a picture of it and put it on the cover of a magazine. It looks that good. And as you sit down to enjoy this incredible blessing, one of your darling little children says, I don't like it. I want mac and cheese. And while you're Googling the cost of a flight to Botswana, at your feet, there's a dog. And the dog is looking up at you with big dewy eyes, and its tongue is dangling out of its mouth, and its tail is beating in joyful anticipation, and it is looking up and saying in dog language, oh, I love your food so much. Your food is so good. It is such a blessing. And if I can get one little crumb, just one teeth, even if it's been on the floor, I'm going to love you so much. I'm going to be such a good boy. You see, sometimes you can see God more clearly as a dog on the ground than a child at the table. When you get what God has given me, the blessings and the grace and the gifts that he he has given me is precious and powerful and wonderful. And I can do something with this. I can pour it out to a world that is perishing. As my my, uh, wife shared, we're going to Osaka, Japan. And Japan is... uh, is the, Osaka is the least reached city on planet Earth. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, a lot like cloquet. Um, <laughs> you know, that region has 25 million people in it. And from what we can determine, if you took all the evangelical churches and missionaries, there would be one for every three quarters of a million people who've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Right now, Japan is going through the, the worst suicide epidemic. It's it's seen in, in many generations. It's people are, are chronically lonely and they're hurting and they're, they're disconnected from society. They estimate some about 3 million people have such high social anxiety. They will never, ever leave their homes. And we still want them to know Jesus. He's so precious. We, um, when we were there uh, last time, it was really cool. So my son and I, we have these sweaters that sort of say, let's practice English together. And little kids would come up and chat in English with us. And, and, and students would invite us over to their house uh, just to chat. And, and so it was really, gosh, we've got a, pre, uh, a picture with us and the, the students. And it was a really fun experience because we would say, um, I would sort of say, I would like be praying, okay, God, give me an opportunity to share your good news. And um, they were talking about Christmas. That's really amazing. In Japan, they have presents. They have Christmas trees. They don't have turkeys. They have KFC Christmas buckets, which I kind of think is a little better. Um, But they have no Jesus. Christmas is just a cool Western holiday where you give presents. So as they're talking about Christmas, I said, hey, guys, what do you think happened at Christmas time? And uh, they all looked at each other like, and they're very smart people. And they, I don't know, do you know? And one guy goes, oh, Santa Claus's birthday. No, not quite. Actually, it was Jesus' birthday. He goes, oh, okay, that's cool. How old is Jesus now? So I said, how old do you think he is? He goes, he's pretty old, right? He was around in World War II, lives out in California. (laughs) Technically, I get. And so I just say, hey, um, can I tell you the story of the birth of Jesus? You know, how many of you have heard that story like a thousand times? It's kind of lost all meaning. You know how cool it is to hear for the first time in your life? The God of God. And the king of kings came into human history, was born in a barn, and slept in an animal's feeding trough. And I said, 
本当ですか ?Is this the truth? 本当です。It is true.It is true. 本当ですか ?Is it true? 本当です。It is true.I was talking about the star over Bethlehem, and one Japanese guy goes, well, what star was it?I said, well, actually it was Jupiter, which is the god of God's planet, and then Regulus, which is the king of kings, was kind of looping around it, forming a crown and pointing right over Bethlehem.And he like Googles this, and he's like, yeah, it really was there.And he starts to think about it, he's like, you know, when the big bang happened, all this like space dust went absolutely everywhere, and all the dust kind of formed in just such a way, so The planets and, and stars came together in just the right way. So that means for that star to be at that place at that moment, every single bit of dust at the moment of the Big Bang had to arrange itself in just that means God had to arrange the dust itself to be there at that time. That's incredible. Did you learn about Jesus five minutes ago? You're already preaching better than me? This is good. <laughs> They were, tell us more, tell us more. And we'd stay up till three and four in the morning. Tell us more about Jesus. And they would say things like, I never knew. You're telling me God loves me? Like, 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 knows me and loves me? Wait a second. Jesus died for, for my sins? All of them? Wait, wait. You're telling me I have purpose? Like, God created me for a reason? I never knew. No one ever told me. Tell us some more. Tell us some more. There was one young lady, and we were reading about、um, the woman at the well, and there was.、Um, Jesus said, I'm going to put a wellspring of living water within your heart. And she said, I want that wellspring. Give me the wellspring. I said, All you have to do is pray and ask. And she said, Okay. And she runs out of the room. And she runs back in and said, No, I, I didn't get it. Nothing happened. I said, Well, can I ask, how did you pray? And she said, Let this. I said, I want you to raise up your arms and I want you to cry out with your mouth, Jesus, you want the Holy Spirit. And she said, okay. And so she runs out and she comes back in and there's tears in her eyes and she's so happy and said, I got it. I got it. Jesus is moving in my heart. I feel his love. I feel his salvation. I feel his goodness. He's so good to me. I love having the Holy Spirit in my heart. He's so wonderful. Do you know what I did there? I just knew that the word says we believe in our heart and we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That didn't take a master's degree in biblical theology, that's just a crumb. That's just one little word from Jesus that did a miracle. And we just, it's not that we're anything great about us. It's that this word is so precious to those who are perishing and they're waiting for us to pour it out. That's my call to you today, brothers and sisters. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out to your neighbors. Pour it out to your coworkers. Pour it out to the nations. I know I've been where you are and the missionary starts asking you to do stuff. I start to go through the Rolodex of reasons why I can't do it. I was like, pray for the nations. Well, I'm not really much of a prayer. I'm like, Lord God, bless the missionaries. Amen. And dude, there's prayer lady in church, and you all know prayer lady. So, oh Lord, bring the spirit of revival upon this thing. A prayer lady, you do your thing. I'm just going to sit over here. <laughs> you all know her. Hey, let God do a miracle with your crumb. Your crumb's precious to those who are perishing. I don't have much money right now, or I don't want to be weird with my neighbors, so I'm not going to do anything. Let God do a miracle with your crumb. Pour it out because it's precious to those who are perishing. We pour it out and we pour it out. Brothers and sisters, right now, they estimate about 300,000 Japanese people out of 127 million are attending church. That's less than a quarter of a percent. I will not accept, I will not accept 127 million empty spaces in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
that is not okay. And this generation won't stand it. And I believe this movement moment in church, we won't stand it. I believe we're entering into a season where we want to pour out more than ever before. You know, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I believe we're entering into a generation that's going to say, today, Jesus, the workers are plentiful. We're ready. We want to move. We want to see, we don't want to go back to church as normal. We want to see you move like we've never seen you move before, Jesus. We want to see something glorious. The Bible prophesies that one day, one great and glorious day in Revelation 7, 9. Every tribe and tongue and nation and language and people are going to stand before the throne in white robes, waving palm branches and singing out in their native language, salvation belongs to our God and he who sits upon the throne. I do not believe God wants a quarter of a percent of Japan, Japanese people singing on that day. I believe the voice should be 100 million strong singing in Japanese, salvation belongs to our God. Japan belongs to our God. Minnesota belongs to our God. Cloquet belongs to our God. And we are here to give it to you, Jesus, as an offering for you are worthy, you are good, you are glorious, and your word is precious. Let's that, let that be our song. Let that be the song on that day. Lord Jesus, we poured it out for you. Ah, how good it is to know. I believe revival is coming, brothers and sisters, in Japan. I believe, as my wife said, the land of the rising sun will be known as the land of the risen sun. For God is moving, his word is precious, and his people get to pour it out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. You tell us in Psalm 8, ask of me and I will give you the nations. So Lord God, today we ask for Japan. Today we ask for Cloquet. Today we ask for Minnesota. And we don't want it for ourselves, Lord. We want it so we can pour out this precious life-giving message to the Minnesota and to Japan. So that on one day we get to present these nations, these communities, these cities as an offering to our God. We get to give them back to you better than we found them, Lord. Just enlivened with your word and your Holy Spirit and your salvation. For only that is a gift worthy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For the God of Japan and the God of Glokei and the God of the nations that all may know that Christ is Lord. We pour it out, Lord God. Thank you. That everything we pour out, every time we pour out, you pour it back in, but our cup gets larger and larger, ready to overflow. What a great honor we have to tell the nations, to tell our friends and our family, you are precious to our God. You are loved by our God. You are saved by our God. What an honor we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.